The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this. I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the faces made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com and you'll see two videos at the top of the screen. The one on the left is Bradley's show from Saturday, two hours worth of Bradley Dean. If you missed that, that'll be there up until three o'clock this afternoon, at which time he goes live. And uh, then on the right side is where we're streaming. So all you got to do is hit play, blow it up on whatever device you're on and click on the rumble icon and that'll take you over into the rumble page which we're streaming on sons of liberty radio live we're streaming live there uh also on beforeitsnews.com top of the page uh dlive.tv at the sons of liberty 
uh, Twitch is set in brush fires. And if you got a Roku device, we're on Cutting Edge TV on there. Right below where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Please do that. Um, help us get uh, the word out, uh, the articles and things that we put out each day. And that helps support us. And we appreciate that very much. Also, this is Sons of Liberty Media is where we archive the morning show. So later on this morning, you'll see the same title as what you see on the video platforms. If you're on the radio, uh, I believe we got this as Prepping 201 Gardening and uh, how to you know build a food supply for yourself and for those in need around you. Now, this isn't just for crisis situations either. I mean, you know, the Bible lays out that uh, when we talk about gardening, it lays out the fact that part of our what we raise and stuff, it's a form of welfare without being welfare. In other words, when there's poor that come, the Bible says, don't glean your field a second time. Leave that for the poor. And the poor can come and say, hey, can can we glean your field? And that way it keeps their their dignity intact and allows them to work for even what they get. Uh, even though they may not have planted it, they can harvest it. They can be a part of that. And it's a, it's a great way to minister to people, too, uh, because a lot of people don't want to hand out. They, they want to work. There's many people who want to work. Uh, for what they have. And so it's a good way to do that. We'll get into some of that a little later in the show. <clears throat> if you'd like to help us and keep us out there doing what we're doing and you agree with our message, there's a donate button at the top of sunsalibritymedia.com. Uh, click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. That is also at the top of the page. And that keeps us out there on radio, internet, and among the people as well. Our store is also available. That link is up. This week, we're highlighting Bradley's book, Grass Doesn't Work, The Rocks Do. And it's normally for a donation of $11, but this week only through Saturday at midnight. You get 25% off when you use the promo code GRASS. Pretty simple, huh? Use promo code GRASS and you get 25% off there. And uh, yeah, be sure to check that out. A couple of headlines here before we bring our guest on this morning. Oh, U.S. Senator Orrin Hatch's legacy, purveyor of deaths. Yeah, this guy was not a good guy. Okay, I know a lot of people. This is what amazes me. People can see sometimes what they do in life and in office. And Orrin Hatch was one of those controlled opposition guys. He always has been. And um, and Marianne Perez uh, submitted this story the other day on Saturday. And um, <clears throat> she tells the truth about his involvement uh, in the deaths of many Americans. And uh, so you need to check that out, sunsliberymedia.com. Also, uh, the Balkan, there's a Balkan war survivor. Some of you guys may, may know this guy, Selko. Uh, he warns Americans, when our stuff hit the fans, started, we thought it was just a temporary disruption too. See, and for all you Q people, you've been set up just like they were there. Oh, you know, we're going to have 10 days of darkness. I've seen the stories that you, that's being put out to you guys that you guys just eat from at the trough wholehearted. Oh, they're they're wrapping up all the pedophiles. And then it just gets weird. Time travel. Just some of the stuff is just weird. Okay, it's just weird. Um, you better wake up. You're being played just like they were uh, during the Balkan War as well. Um, federal informant and whistleblower against Deutsche Bank. Remember, Deutsch, they, were, they were being investigated along with Donald Trump. Remember that? We had one of their bankers who was who was at the center of that, allegedly committed suicide several years back. Uh-huh. Well, this guy was found dead after turning over a trove of secret files. Some of you never even heard of this. This didn't make... I mean, it was in the, it was in the media. Okay, it was, the report that I pulled from was NBC, but uh, a lot of people weren't covering this and making any mention of any of the ties of our those in our own government to it as well. 
Also, Biden's new ministry of truth, Zarina, is a lunatic. Yeah, you could see that and you can tell that from um, the video, uh, her little Mary Poppins presentation that she had as well. Also, sonsoflibertymedia.com, COVID's depopulation smoking gun. Millions sent overseas as COVID relief, but it was used to fund abortion and population control. Isn't that interesting? That's your money, by the way. That's your money. Same thing with the wall. How many million, how many billions of dollars? Trump went from five to like 25 billion, didn't build any of it, but now they're wanting to send hundreds of billions of dollars of our money to Ukraine to support the Nazis over there. Hmm. Go figure that out. Also, Ilhan Omar finds a new way to attack freedom of speech. <laughs> uh, everybody wants freedom of speech except for you know what, what they actually have there. Um, we're going to be talking about food supply, so I'm going to play this one in just a moment before we enter into that. But I promised you guys this, okay? So indulge me. You guys on the... Um, on the radio, you won't be able to see this. You, you can see it in the archive if you want to, but indulge me for about <clears throat> 40 seconds. Uh, I put together this thing. You guys know I shaved off the beard uh, a week ago Saturday, and I'm yes, it's starting to grow again because it felt like it was sunburn. I hate shaving. I really do. Um, but I shaved it off for my daughter's wedding. They got back the other day from their honeymoon in Tennessee. Where they had a great time. And uh, so I put this together. This was a day shot uh, except for Sundays, and I might have missed a couple of days here and there. But you get the idea. This was what I just quickly put together uh, over the nine months. And it's kind of interesting to watch how you, the hair on your face grows. All right. Uh, so I'm gonna, just going to play this. It's got a little funky beat that goes with it. I put something in there to make it a little humorous. And uh, yeah, so enjoy this. Ch-ch-ch-chia. <laughs> So you guys who are listening on the radio, it's going, and yes, my beard did change colors because I tried some of that color. I wanted to see what it would look like. It's way too dark, uh, but you'll see it go to its natural color and everything. And uh, I, I, had a, I had a funny time putting this together, and a couple of my kids really thought it was funny too. And then if you want to see me shave it off, you know, I played some of that for you guys. That's linked in the description, but these will be in the, uh, yeah, these will be set up in the, whatchamadoodle. <laughs> so there you go. And, and that's all the way up till the day. Uh, I think, I think I took one the day that, whoops, I'm sorry. I think I took one the day that, you know, I shaved it off that Saturday morning. But anyway, it was... <laughs> It should be another one bites the dust. Is that what it is? <laughs> anyway, I thought you guys would like that. You get a kick out of it. And I told you I was doing that. I promised it to you. So that's what we've done. Now, we're going to be talking about um, gardening today. This is our second series of prepping that we're going to be doing. Lord willing, is going to give us the whole week with David, and uh, we'll be able to do that. But before I bring David on, there's a short report that's put out by uh, the Reese Report, and it's concerning... Uh, big Pharma set to control the entire food supply. So I think this, this information we're going to be learning here is going to be very helpful just in regular time and even more so during times where there's famine, where there's times where food supplies are cut off. And this is all manufactured. It's all man-made. Uh, we've, we've shown you several videos, several stories, not only these food processing plants, but the, 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 the shipping issue going on off the coast, uh, paying farmers not to grow stuff, all this kind of stuff leads to 
famines. I mean, they're man-made famines. But take a listen to this, and then we're going to get into the show on gardening. Here it is. During the 1990s, Monsanto Corporation's devastating attack against farmers, their genetically modified frankenfoods, and their neurotoxic pesticides inspired people to push government into legislating certification standards for foods. But thanks to Big Pharma, Bill Gates, and pop culture media brainwashing, Monsanto still stands strong and is ready to take complete control of your food supply with the help of the same powerful families and foundations who already control the money and the energy. Their plans to do so are comprehensively laid out in a recent report published at Cory Diggs. The indoor vertical farming industry, which is a highly innovative and efficient method, is being funded by Bill Gates and pushed by the World Economic Forum as a replacement to conventional outdoor farming. Aero Farms is the industry leader in vertical farming, and they also co-developed the first CRISPR gene-edited produce product and worked with the NIH to produce proteins for the deadly COVID vaccines. Aero Farms makes it clear that they are not conventional gardeners. They are all about synthetic food products, which is clearly the trend in this growing industry. Monsanto is creating specially tailored genetically cut seeds for these vertical farms. And the University of California is developing a plant-based mRNA vaccine that farms can grow in heads of lettuce, which happens to be the main crop of these new farms. These GMO farms already provide food at major outlets, including Kroger, Walmart, and Whole Foods, and are massively expanding. And it's not only fresh produce that's getting genetically modified. The USDA and FDA have already approved genetic modifications on pigs, salmon, and cattle. And they have approved synthetic lab-grown meat. Bill Gates's Good Food Institute plans to reimagine meat production with $10 million of support from the USDA. But in order to make their big pharma food supply the new American model, they will need a major crisis. The 2020 lockdowns distressed the supply chain, which was further affected by U.S. sanctions against Russia. This has created a food shortage crisis. Add to that, over a dozen food processing plants have mysteriously been destroyed in the past several weeks, as well as major fertilizer plants during a major fertilizer crisis. To make matters worse, Union Pacific Railroad forces a 20% reduction in shipments from the world's largest fertilizer company. And when the people demand a solution, as it turns out, Bill Gates is heavily invested in alternative fertilizers and is also a chief stockholder of the Canadian National Railway, who claims to be helping the fertilizer market grow. Perhaps Bill Gates and Monsanto will volunteer to save everyone with their new gene-edited bacteria fertilizer. And maybe it will backfire like it did in Africa, when after 15 years of trying to help, all Gates and Monsanto accomplished was increasing starvation by 31%. But that's okay, because it's Monsanto bear to the rescue with their big pharma food factories with brand new mRNA vaccine lettuce. And as if this wasn't bad enough, the stated goal of this new Franken-food industry 
is to make all food traceable. And that means coating it all in nanotech. Who controls the food supply controls the people. Who controls the energy can control whole continents. Who controls money can control the world. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. All right. Okay. That gives you a little idea of what's going on. This goes with um, what Bradley brought out the other day with uh, Bill Gates picking up the farmland. But it's not, again, it's not just Bill Gates. Bill Gates has got maybe a large portion for one person. But if you go and do the studies, and I'll try to throw this in, in the archive too, because I did an article on this. There is a lot of land being bought up in America by farmers that dwarf whatever Bill Gates has got. And these are by, by foreigners, foreigners, not far, foreigners. And this is a problem. This is a huge problem. This is why it's going to fall back on us to start learning the old paths, right? Go, God says, go back to the old paths. These are part of the old paths, the things that, we're, that we talked about in the first week on our prepping shows. And then this week of the things that we're going to talk about. And here to help me do that is David Pruitt from TheMiracleSav.com. Good morning, David. Good to see you, man. Morning, man. Yeah, he's all set. He's he's got about almost of his, all of his coffee drank, and uh, <laughs> I think he's about ready re ready and ripping and raring to go today. So, David, we're going to be talking about some gardening today. This may drift over into tomorrow. I'm not sure, but you've got a lot of experience th to this. You've sent me a bunch of pictures. I I'm assuming you're wanting to share some of those today. So, I'm going to turn on. I don't even know if you're on with your with your other. If you need to do that, but I'm turning on the share screen in case you need to do that. Uh, for people, but you got a lot of information for us. People really appreciated all the information of our first four shows, uh, which they can still find, and we've got archived, and the links to the books and everything we'll have, so you guys don't have to worry about that. We'll have it all in the archive, and you say, hey, where can I get all that stuff? Can I review it again? Yeah, we're going to have it archived. The video podcast, we're going to have all the links in there. We're going to have where you can go to a David's site. David's got some special deals there. Uh, for Sons of Liberty, um, Sons of Liberty uh, listeners, and so David, why don't you kick us off this morning? We're going to be talking about gardening as part of our prepping uh, initiative that we're talking about. Okay, so when we the the way I look at gardening, and you know, I don't know everything, and I think that the way that we need to look at gardening from an American perspective, you know, America was very uh, food independent during the founding of our nation. You know, think about how much farming went on. You know especially here in the Midwest, um, you know, but all over, you know, think about tobacco and all these different cash crops that America had over the years. And I think that we've really lost our way because what happened was, was chemical fertilizers came around and then people became dependent on those chemical fertilizers and couldn't find a solution to be able to get away from those. And then now they are a slave to those same chemical fertilizer companies. Well, so what we have to do is we have to look at the issues that we face as gardeners, whether it be at a, on a small scale or on a large scale. So that means that we need to be able to make our own organic inputs from, from my perspective, be able to make our own organic inputs to be able to um, get maximum effectiveness out of the amount of time, energy, and effort that we are putting into the garden. And the other thing that I think we really need to look into is we've got to look into uh, permaculture and, and um, you know, uh, having swales and things like that to be able to keep resources like water on your land for as long as possible. And I think that's something that is becoming more and more popular, but 
it's still, you know, there's still those people who stick their nose up at it. Um, when it comes to things that are easy to grow, that are kind of foolproof, that are great, that you can never have enough of. Um, and I'm just going to start with the simplest things that you can start with. And I love perennials because perennials, um, so you have annuals and you've got perennials and then you got biannuals. So perennials are um, shrubs or trees or plants that come back year after year um, from the rootstock or from the, the plant. Um, annuals would be like flowers and things like that that uh, go to seed and then the seed comes back the next year, if that makes sense. Um, biannuals would go to seed every other year. So they take a whole growing season and then another growing season to, uh, to put on seed. I like perennials and here's why I like perennials. And I think you should too, is many people during the great depression, um, ate out of asparagus beds, wild asparagus beds are still one of the favorite foraging spots for most people who, um, do a lot of wild edible foraging. Um, asparagus, you know, think about this. How many things can you plant that'll produce for 30 years? I can't there, think of it. <laughs> there that many things. And it's the first thing to come up in spring. It's like an early, early, early crop. So, and you can, one of my favorite treats is actually raw, fresh asparagus from the garden. It is like candy. It, it really is a, a treat. So, we need to ask ourselves things like um, that that are perennial and also like garlic, things that we can propagate that we can use in our, in our perennial setup. So like garlic can be used as a scent confuser. And we're going to get into this more, some more, but I'm, I'm talking about plants right now that you would really benefit from learning how to propagate and or growing for your own use or to help supplement um, what you're um, your fertilizer schedule and all that. So comfrey, Bocking 14 is the Russian comfrey that most uh, most permaculture people grow. Uh, true comfrey, some people grow that instead. You know, it just depends on your climate, what you can, what you can grow perennially. Um, you can take cuttings from the root, you can propagate it via small root cuttings and then be able to plant those and be able to multiply your comfrey supply exponentially every year and comfrey is a bioaccumulator so that means it accumulates a huge amount of nutrients you can take while while that thing's green you can cut it you can take that put that in a bucket and ferment that down into a liquid fertilizer um, that's just one of the many things and you can do that with many plants it's not just comfrey but comfrey does an amazing job at that and it's also very useful for chop and drop um, that's where we're we're growing the stuff and then chopping it and then dropping it to use as a mulch and as a uh, as basically a mulch and a fertilizer too, because mulch breaks down and it provides compost tea as it breaks down to the roots every time it rains. Um, so these are some things that you may want to think about: things that are easy to propagate that don't have a lot of pest pressure. Comfrey, there's a billion uses for it. Um, historically you know i'm not a doctor i can't diagnose recommend treat prevent cure any disease but um historically you know comfrey has been used in poultices and um, oil solutions for broken bones um for inflammation you know 
all kinds of numerous, numerous things. Um, livestock love eating on it. So there's numerous things you can use comfort for. And think about this. Um, hard times come a-knocking. What guy is going to be more secure? The guy who can produce a whole bunch of perennial and annual plants and then trade those amongst his neighbors, especially things like apple trees, like rare varieties of apple trees that no one else really knows exists. Um, other fruit trees that grow in your region that no one else really has. Um, you, there's a lot of different things you can do with this. And I want you to start thinking about what can you do where you're at? You know, it's, it's not about going and having a 10 acre garden overnight. It's about scaling up as you and your time allows. So that means if you only have time for a 15 by 15 foot garden, then that's really all you should have. If you have time for a 200 foot by 200 foot garden, that's what you should have. And the thing is, is that, you know, we've talked about the mindset of charity in Christianity, that that mindset has to be present for the gardener because we have an abundance and, you know, as we are blessed, we're supposed to bless others. That's why I always tell people grow more than what you need, because it's not just about growing what you need to eat during the summer. It's also about preserving stuff and putting it up during the winter. Um, things that store very, very well. There are a lot of pumpkins and squashes that store extremely well. I had a, uh, I had a spaghetti squash that I grew last year, sat on my counter here for almost nine months, nine months, I think. Seeds were still good, everything. Did germination test, 100% germination test on the on 10 seeds that I took out of it. Um, and the flesh was still delicious. Everyone liked it that we, that we served it to. So there are a lot of options as far as storage varieties of all kinds of things. You can grow potatoes. Potatoes store very well. Um, you can grow sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes, I actually don't care for the roots so much as I care for the greens. Sweet potato greens are probably my favorite uh, spinach alternative that I found, um, especially for very warm weather areas. And by pruning those leaves, you actually get better root production anyways. So that's very, very interesting. But when we're talking about when we're talking about um, survival gardens and, and medicinal gardens and you know growing your own not only your own food but your own medicine we we have to think about what amount of time are we willing to put into it um, and we also need to look at what resources do we have available to us if you have a huge amount of let's say manure that you can use to help build and improve the soil then that is a resource that you can use. If you have a huge amount of mushroom compost, what, whatever you have available to you, that's what you really need to use. If you've got wood chips available to you, use wood chips. And th then you also come into this beautiful thing in permaculture where we, you know, there's a lot of things like nitrogen fixers, like mimosa trees and things like that, that are looked at as invasive, that you can actually grow those things in a certain part of, or a certain area of your land and they're a nitrogen fixer, so they're actually pumping nitrogen into the ground. They're taking it out of the atmosphere and pump, pumping it into the ground via nodules on the roots. 
So you can actually take those and let's say you get a few too many of them. You take your wood chipper out there and you chip up a whole bunch of them. And now you got a whole bunch of mulch for the garden. Um, there is a wonderful book because I will say the number one issue that I talk that I've talked to over the years um, with gardeners is being able to garden in very dry conditions with the minimal amount of time needed. Now, this book, Gardening with Less Water, by David A. Bainbridge. I think it's Bainbridge, yeah, Bainbridge. Um, this is a wonderful book. It talks about a lot of... Now, you can go to his blog. I can't remember the name of his blog. But um, they talk about a number of different options for watering and his research and all all kinds of wonderful, wonderful ideas for different um, low-tech solutions that he's used all over the world. Now, this is just one solution in the toolbox. Many times people get frustrated with me because, you know, I'm trying to get you to think for yourself. I'm not going to tell you all the answers to your problems because you probably wouldn't appreciate them if they came too easily to you. Now, I will tell you that that book is amazing when it comes to gardening with less water. But that's really all that there is in there. They've got a few things in there about taking uh, desert trees. You know, he uses long pieces of PVC with holes drilled in them that he pounds down into the ground so he can shove a hose or use a watering can in there to be able to get the water straight down to the roots where it needs to be and avoid as much um, uh, He's just trying. He's trying to be efficient there. He's trying to be efficient yeah. with what he's doing. Yeah, we got a we got a question in here uh, too, David. Um, they wanted me to ask you about verm vermiculture. I'm assuming assuming you're going to hit some of that as you're going along through here with uh, with some of the compost. But that was a that was a question that came up. Uh, um, I don't have my permaculture books out. I have a few. I have a few that will touch on that. Um, permaculture a designer's um, manual is probably the definitive guide as far as most people are concerned. Um, and then there's Gaia's Garden. Um, those are two um, really good places to start. Um, and then you can also, the thing is, that's a textbook, that um, Permaculture Designer's Manual. That is a textbook. And you got to eat the meat and spit out the bones, just like everything else in life. Um, so permaculture, the idea of permaculture is it's permanent agriculture. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to replicate nature and be able to get the maximum efficiency out of the system. So what you're doing is you're doing beneficial plantings and you're planting at different levels in the canopy. So, you know, you might have a ground cover, you might have uh, something that's a mid-level, you know, a, a small bushy plant, and then you might have a shrub or something like that that's a nitrogen fixer right next to a fruit producing tree. And then you might have some bioaccumulators like Humphrey or something like that that are located around those um, so yes permacultures i think that's what we all really need to focus on is getting systems in place that take the least amount of time money and energy to set up and permaculture is the way it, it it's the most efficient it's the most efficient the most efficient and the most efficient so when i say that three times i mean like I've looked into a lot of things, and I like permaculture. 
a lot of people I've met in the in the permaculture circles and stuff, great like problem solvers, um, hard workers, and I see that there is that the abundance becomes increasingly uh, the abundance increases exponentially every year that a permaculture setup is going good. So with that said, what I mean is like the first year you only may get, uh, maybe you get 10 pounds, right? 10 pounds of uh, whatever it is, berries off of a given berry plant, which is ridiculous in a first year. But let's say that's, that's what you get. Well, what I mean by exponentially increasing those yields is it's by orders of magnitude. So it might be 10 pounds or it might be five pounds this year. Next year, maybe 15 pounds. The year after that, it may be 25 pounds. It just, it, what, what happens is the quality, the size, and the quantity go up every year as long as you do your part. That includes like regular pruning. I'm always making, here's what I tell people. Amendments are great if you can afford them. If you can't afford them, there is a book for you. Well, there's actually a couple of books for you. So this is one of the most interesting books I have read in quite a while on gardening called The Woodchip Handbook. By Ben Raskin. This is probably one of the easiest ways to get started in a garden is by using wood chips as a thick layer mulch and then using cardboard beneath that to uh, snuff out the grass, basically. Um, I have to say, I am very, very, very impressed. Um, the, only thing I, the only thing I don't like about this book is um, I wish I would have found it earlier. <laughs> um, it, it's one of those books that if you're looking for a really easy, low-tech, low uh, you can actually add more. They say four four inches of wood chips is optimum. I don't know if I would say it's optimum. Um, I've seen people take two feet of wood chips and then dig a V to be able to plant their uh, their tomatoes or whatever it is directly into the ground because the mulch is just there to hold in water and to slowly feed the soil beneath. Now, David, it's, let me let me ask you a question about that. Where is the line that you draw where you're trying to hold water in there and do that, uh, but you don't want, sometimes, I, I know there's some things where you can actually cause certain, certain plants to rot if there's, if there's yeah. too much moisture there. What, 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 what is the, the line that you draw that with? Well, it, it would depend on the, you know, this is one of those things that it comes into your, um, your particular planting place. That's part of the reason why I like permaculture and permaculture design is the idea is, is that um, if here and here, there's a swale here, you know, like a ridge as um, think of like a hill, there's a swale here, which is like a ridge that helps uh, catch water. Well, you can plant things on top of this swale. So it keeps them up out of that water pocket, but they can still leach water out of that swale. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, that makes sense. Permaculture standpoint, you can do that um, from a um, from a raised bed perspective. You can literally take chicken wire and uh, cardboard. You take cardboard, you line 
Um, you, you make whatever size bed you want with the chicken wire, make sure it's very well secured with like baling twine or something like that, like steel baling twine or something, something substantial. And then you can take that, um, that cardboard, put that in there and put it on the bottom too. You can fill that up with, uh, uh, you know, sticks, twigs, whatever, you know, make a hugel mound out of it and then add dirt on top of that and then some wood chips. You can always add um, like a layer of gravel or something like that to the bottom of the bed to really help with uh, drainage um, if, if need be, like if you're doing a raised bed. But that's a very low cost way, easy way to, to make some beds in a hurry. And you could always make just small, um, small raised beds for like individual tomato plants and that kind of thing. Yeah, David, one of the things, you know, you and I talked about this, I think, last year. Uh, when we were talking about the wood chip stuff over the phone and uh, there's a question in the chat it says so wood chips like from a pine tree aren't they too acidic remember i told you that's what people were telling me and you go nah they don't know what they're talking about i fill my whole i fill the holes from my tomato plants and i get like six or eight foot tomato stalks and all this kind of stuff can you speak to that because that is something that that i i know i brought to you and you go no no that's not the way it works at all you want to speak to that yeah so i i planted in um, I've planted in cedar, walnut, all kinds of different wood chips that you can imagine. I've never had any issues because I don't till the uh, I don't till any of the wood chips into the ground at all. The only um, plants that are the only um, now I have not tried this, but I've talked to other people who I do trust their input, and they've told me that um, eucalyptus trees that they nothing grows in in eucalyptus tree um uh, wood chips but they say that that makes some of the best walking paths that they've ever found because it takes forever to break down so you only have to apply it once um the, as far as the pine and the cedar go i've used a lot of pine and cedar over the years and i have had wonderful luck um if if you if you do find that it's too acidic just it's kind of like having money in the bank and it's just accumulating interest when you have a pile of wood chips. As it breaks down, it's becoming more and more usable. When it gets to the point that it's almost black, you know, that it's like compost, that is my favorite point because then at that point, it doesn't matter. It's broken down. Yeah, it's, it's like really the stuff. It's like the stuff you get right out, of, right out of the forest. When you go down there and, you know, when you, like in our forest, I mean, we've got years and years, decades, literally, of leaves falling and all that other. And when you get right up under the surface, man, that that ground is as I mean, is as black as can be. So you know, some good rich soil that you're using. So that's what you're talking about doing with it. You're talking about just putting it on the top and just letting it decompose on the top, but being useful there for the present garden, the the stuff you're planting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, He's digging oh, under books. <laughs> I oh, I got lots of books. So this is. This is a book that I've recommended highly to a huge number of people. And this is one of those things that I was, I was so skeptical because I've been making a lot of my own inputs for years and years and years. Um, and you know how we all, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, this has, I've spoken to everybody that I've recommended this book to who has bought it and instituted it has seen the cost of their fertilizers go down and the size of their produce increase and have less pest and disease problems. That is Jadam, organic farming, 
They have a number of books. The orange book right here, the uh, the way to ultra low cost organic agriculture. This particular book is the one that you need because it has all of the stuff on making the Jadam microbial solution. They've got oh, they've got a uh, agricultural soap that you can use for washing your own uh, clothes, uh, your dishes, all that kind of stuff. He's got all kinds of um, liquid fertilizer recipes and the chemical compositions and the proportions. He's got a uh, no heat, no added heat. Um, uh, he's well, he's got a thing on composting toilets in here. He's got it, it is just and he's he's literally telling you this is how you make the ultra high quality solutions that I'm making. And then he's got let me see if I can find. While you're looking at that, David, uh, somebody asked, well, what about using uh, sawdust? I, I would assume that does pretty much the same thing. It's just broken down a lot faster. So in the place of mulch or wood chips. So um, sawdust, the problem is, is many times sawdust does not have the cambium layer. You can, however, mix sawdust with manure, and you can make an 18-day compost if you wanted to. Some sawdust, some manure, and then you can take some urine. Um, I know it sounds disgusting, but you just pee in a jug. Take as long as you're not any on any like bad medications, anything like that. You can pee in a jug. You can use that as an activator to activate the compost, and uh, you can get 18-day compost going, and you can produce a huge amount. Um, there's actually a book. It's free of charge. It's called the Humanure Handbook. You can actually go online. The whole book is free of charge. It talks about how to safely um, compost human uh, manure and uh, how to get rid of all the pathogens, all that good stuff, all kinds of concerns that you need to keep in mind. Um, but there, there is something that you, you need to be aware of is that you got to keep your mind open because many times... Like, look at this guy's, this is his little farm. That's not okay, a little farm. <laughs> yeah, this is his little farm, and he's making all of his own inputs, and they are so low cost and everything. Like, look at these tomato plants. It's approximately, so in Hawaii, there's a, he was brought in by the Hawaiian government to deal with the coffee borer, um, the coffee borer. And he had a 90-something percent success rate with the coffee board. And uh, he was he basically saved, from my limited comprehension on the... And here's his whole write-up on the coffee board beetle. Yeah, David, uh, we also got another question. Um, is straw a good cover in place for wood chips? I'm not sure that that's going to be the same thing, but do you want to answer that? Yeah, it's, it's really what you got dried grass you know um you you want to make sure that there's as few weeds as possible make sure that it's not sprayed you can destroy your whole garden with a sprayed straw trust me and you can also get invasive weeds like a lot of uh, tuber based grasses you can get that way um we've we've had some issues with straw in the past but it's a wonderful growing me medium and not only that, but from a permaculture uh, point of view, you can also grow things like uh, you can grow things like mushrooms. Like uh, wine cap mushrooms are amazingly easy to grow. Um, you can grow those in your beds, and the mycelium, the the root structure, 
of that mushroom is under the ground and it will actually feed nutrients to other plants. So it's like a, it's a symbiotic relationship. Think of permaculture like that is finding beneficial things to plant in and amongst one another to maximize the amount of efficiency that you get on a given piece of land. Okay. All right. But the, the Jadam, the reason I like this is it's the, he, it's all about helping people. It's ultra low cost, about a hundred dollars an acre um, to pay someone to make all the organic fertilizers and organic pesticides. That is incredible. I don't know if any of you guys know anything about that, but it is incredible. Um, and I've been into this for a, quite a while, and I found it to be very, very helpful in, in a number of ways. Um, it was a gift. Um, I have to say the individual got this for me. I did not realize what a great book it was until I read it cover to cover. And about the third time through um, was incredible. Because I, I just started, and the, here's the great thing is you don't even have to buy this book. You can go to Jadam Organic Farming. They've got lectures on all these organic inputs and like college quality lectures with all the information and everything. So you don't have to buy the book if you're willing to put in the time, um, which I really, I really like that that's an open source um, thing that people don't have to spend money on. The book is relatively expensive. They do have some other books. Like they do have this uh, 100 Herbs um, book. They also have a pest book for pest identification and, and uh, different solutions um, really to, to maximize your effectiveness. Um, then, the, you know, the next, the next thing that I'd like to actually talk about is, is it's not just about, um, you know, permaculture is great and everything. All, all these topics that we're talking about are great. But you got you got to find and have a plan to not only produce your own seeds, but to like you know resupply every year. But you need to have a plan of like, hey, you know, what if I had a total crop failure and I run out of seeds this year? So what a number of friends and myself have done is we all grow similar varieties. I may grow fifteen different varieties of tomato every year, but. The core ones don't really change unless we have a, a trial and a new tomato just takes off for us. So you want other people in your local area growing the same thing, and you want to find out what in your microclimate grows the best. And then what you can do is you can actually tailor, um, you can tailor the genetics that you'd like to propagate by selecting the healthiest, best plant to save seed from. And then save the largest fruits that come off of that that plant. Um, so you can you can believe it or not, one tomato plant may produce two three hundred dollars worth of seed over the course of a season. So just think about that. You know the cost investment of buying the seeds and then getting them to start and everything. Now there are different ways. You know some people I like to start some inside. And then I like to take those and I like to transplant some of them outside. I do like frost sowing, but I've had, uh, we've had some setbacks with that this last year because uh, birds decided to come in and eat all of the seeds that we had uh, just sown. So that wasn't cool, but I had a backup plan. So I had those plants that I was able to plant, you see. So also not getting things in, um, like not 
always having a backup plan for your plants and stuff like that. The other thing that you probably need to think about is you're going to have a kitchen garden more than likely. That should probably be very close to the house. And, you know, another thing that people don't think about that haven't lived off grid is, you know, air conditioning takes up a huge amount of power. So a lot of people cook in the middle of summer in their house when they've got AC. They probably wouldn't want to do that in the middle of summer if they didn't have AC. So having the kitchen garden close to the outdoor kitchen would probably be very beneficial. So we talked about we I think we talked about that in one of our previous shows about setting up an outdoor kitchen and and stuff like that. I think you we had some links to some specific things of of cooking. You can obviously do your your brick ovens and stuff like that, but we had some other things that were were useful in that way too. And uh, we got we got a question here. I think that we're probably going to cover this in another segment, but it's asked, so I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and throw it out. Uh, they're asking about aquaponics, and I think you touched on that in one show before. We didn't spend a lot of time on it, um, and I'm not sure that that really goes with the gardening. That's why I say I think we're probably going to have that for another time. If you want to say that we're going to do that tomorrow or another day, we'll do that. We could talk about that. I would say that aquaponics kind of more falls into the food production side right. of things, like right. meat. Um because you're more limited on the things that you can grow to maximum effect in the aquaponics. And I think that the learning curve for aquaponics is extremely um, high. Yep. 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 Now we had the guy, I forget the guy's name. I've got a book I can recommend, uh, a very good beginner's book. I'll go get it real quick. Okay. All right. We'll do that. And now we had a guy on the show and I can probably throw this in the archive. He was up in Ohio, I think. And uh, this gentleman came on the show and they were doing it as a ministry and they were using aquaponics there. They were growing their own tilapia and a couple other fish, I think. And then they were doing their own, you know, they basically had a community garden that they set up out of their church where they were feeding themselves and they were feeding people in the neighborhood. So I'll try to throw that in the archive um, uh, for whoever asked that. And then... Um, Let's see, guys. I, I some of this gets a little all over, but that's this is a good question here. And uh, David's grabbing his book, so if I have to repeat the question, I'll do that. But the question is, how are we able to distinguish GMO seeds from non-GMO seeds in produce? And I don't know if David can hear me or if he's still looking. He's looking for a book right now. He's going to bring out in just a second. Do you know how you would do that, uh, David? Well, the, so the problem is, is there's actually this book. Well, okay, so I've got a couple of more books that we can recommend. Um, so this was a wonderful book. There is, if you're going to get into aquaponics, barrel ponics is probably the easiest, lowest cost way of doing it. Um, I've seen a couple of systems set up off grid for that. That's probably, you know, rise and fall um, system. That's probably the most energy efficient. This book has a ton of information. Um, it's by Sylvia Bernstein, um, Aquaponic Gardening. And, you know, it's aquaponics to me, I think, I think the cost outweighs. You can do aquaculture in a permaculture setup, and it takes a lot less maintenance. So this, to me... Is something if you're willing to put in the time, you know, every day that system has to be checked for pH, the water's got to be checked, the water level, all that has to be checked every day. And you get 10 things like that on your plate. 
And now you have very little time to be able to work on other projects to get yourself more self-reliant. I think that a more, um, a better use of your time instead of aquaponic gardening would actually be getting worm farms set up, set those up so you can get worm um, castings, so you can mix worm castings, sand, and uh, some peat moss and stuff like that. Make your own potting mix. Now, this is a wonderful book. It's called Mini Farming, Self-Sufficiency on a Quarter of an Acre. Wonderful book um, by Brett Markham. And there is, now there, you know, eat the meat, spit out the bones kind of a thing. But there was a wonderful reference in here about, see, they've got yield per, in pounds per 100 square feet. They've got a lot of wonderful information in here, a lot of tables. Um, but he also tells you how long seeds are viable for, you know, if they're just stored at room temperature. And he also tells you how far they need to be away from other varieties to be able to not be affected by pollen contamination. This is something that we have to know for um, if we're going to be saving our own seed. And not only that, this uh, there's another book. I can't remember the name of it. Um, Survival Blog. It's on their recommended reading list. I've got it too. I don't know where it is right now. But this is uh, the Seed Starters Handbook, the new Seed Starters Handbook. Um, and it is by Nancy Bubble. Um, and this was a gift. I actually, I quite enjoyed this because they, they give you a lot of tips for specific plants and things like that in here. Um, and if you're going to be saving seeds, you probably want to, you can do it very simply. But if you want to save high quality seed, you need to actually learn some basic things so like i think it's for uh, uh well like i said it's in here there's other there's other uh, like uh, graphs things like that online because you you have to keep there's reasons why organic stuff has to be so many feet away from um non-organic crops and all that um David, David, this is a good this is a good place to pause here a second. We got about uh, thirty or about twenty seconds here. Tell people where they can find out more about you, and if people want to continue on in the with the interview of what we've got going on, go to sonsoflibertymedia dot com. But tell people where they can find out about you and the special you've got for our people here. Um, you can go to uh, themiraclesab dot com. You can use uh, Sons of Liberty, um, the code Sons of Liberty. To receive a discount, you can support our ministry by going there. And uh, you can Okay. All right. David, we appreciate you very much. We're going to continue with David. So join us on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You guys catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern today and tomorrow. In fact, all this week, David's going to be with us, Lord willing, except for Wednesday when Lynn comes on. And uh, join us on Sons of Liberty, and we'll see you there. All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And it kind of cut out a little bit there. I think it's the microphone issue of, of uh, uh, whatever, Zoom picking up over the music and everything. And that's okay. But it's themiraclesalve.com. That's S-A-L-V-E.com. Themiraclesalve.com. Or you can put in Pruitt's Tree Resin in a search engine. It'll come up like that. 
And uh, David and his family have been really kind uh, to us to uh, give us a promo code so we could pass that on to you guys to save 10%. Sons of Liberty, use that on whatever you're getting over there. And uh, I think uh, the other time that you were on, you gave a really big discount for some of the people. They got double that. And uh, David said that everybody's dealt with from the Sons of Liberty audience are just really kind and uh, easy to work with. And, uh, you know, I said that to you guys. I appreciate hearing that because that's, that bears a that bears a testimony. Whether you believe it or not, it bears a testimony of how you conduct yourself with other people. And uh, David called me up just out of you know at the end of the day, going, "Man, I've had all these people call, and every one of them was just really kind, really polite." And he said, "That's very unusual. It says something really good about your audience." And so, you know, I I want to say thank you to you guys for honoring the Lord. I mean, you're really honoring the Lord in that and how you treat uh, each other in those things. And some people might say, "Well." That's not a big deal. It's a really big deal. It's a really big deal that you bear that kind of testimony of kindness towards one another. It really does. So I want to thank you for that. And thank you, uh, David, for giving uh, the listeners the discounts that you guys have given on your products as well. Yeah. And so I and, you know, we do that because it's about helping people. You know, we're all on this roller coaster together currently. And uh, if you love your neighbor, you will treat them better. Amen. That's, that's really there is to it amen so i now when when it comes to seed saving i'd like to share this with people because because not everybody has the ability to uh um not everyone is going to want to take it to this step but if you're really serious about saving seed and you're really interested in saving high quality seed you might be able to work out a deal with many of your friends family members um and your community to be able to supply seed now this is uh I can never remember the name of this particular company. Um, Southern Exposure Seed Exchange. And they have a seed cleaning screen and frames where you can buy different size screens for sieving all of your seeds and everything. To be able to save high-quality seeds, you need to be able to remove any other foreign material from the seeds so you can be able to plant them at the... So if you're planting, like, let's say it's two or three lettuce per uh, per hole, right? You want to be able to make sure that you're getting consistency and being able to put that many in there, or if it's just one. See, when you got a lot of big, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking of a foreign contaminants, you know, dinkleberries in there. Um, it can be rather frustrating, especially when you give seed to somebody. So it's really nice, and you can make those yourself. Uh, seed Savers Exchange. I think has now. Um, I'm I'm kind of indifferent to them. I haven't ordered from them before, but I've heard that they uh, do have an article on making, uh, you know, ordering these screens and everything. And I will say that this uh, Southern Exposure Seed Exchange also has a wonderful deal on uh, perennial onions, and they have a number of other um, varieties of things. They've got some books and that kind of stuff. Um, they've got a number of varieties that I really find interesting from a uh, from a growing perspective, and that's why we're we're trying out a bunch of these this year. Now, I will tell you that this is probably I, I ordered quite a bit from this uh, particular company, and that's Pine Tree. Um, this this company um, is. I, I'm very impressed 
with the quality and quantity and the price of the seeds. Um, I'm very, very, um, very impressed. Now, this is, uh, they've got some better deals on seeds. So if you're trying to save a little bit of money, Pine Tree, wonderful, wonderful place. Same thing with uh, uh, Southern Seed Savers Exchange. And then one of, probably everybody who knows anything about seeds knows this catalog. And I've got quite a few other ones, but this is the Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds Catalog. They have the best photos in the business. Um, the descriptions, not the best, but I mean, they're, they're, they've got some great ones and some not so great ones. But the quality of the photos, the prices you do pay, you do pay quite a bit um, for the seeds that you buy from them, but they don't have... Uh, they don't have shipping charges. If you buy, I think it's $12 or more. Um, but they, they also give you here, you can buy goji berries, a lot of perennial things that you can start from seed to keep the cost down. So you can start those. They even dwarf banana that you can start indoors. A little bit of a pain, but I'm growing these this year, actually. I, I've got my Baker Creek thing too <laughs> that we're looking at. I, I've, I've been there. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, yeah, and there's also, I was going to tell people, you know, I've got a friend, Jason Matei and his family, they do it, seedsforgenerations.com. And they've got a, they've got a nice little website. They even have a, a little a calendar or a calculator there of when you, you put in your stuff and you put in when you're going to plant it, uh, when it's going to be harvested, and they've got it for all year round. So you can go in there and you can actually utilize it for free. And I think there's a way you can make it. It's a couple of dollars or something. You can actually purchase it if you want to do that. But they've got it for at seedsforgenerations.com, and uh, and they use that as well. Um, I'm trying to see. We had some people talking about gleaning. Uh, I put some over on Rumble, uh, Message in Prisms. I put some scriptures in there about gleaning. There is also, you might find the term gathering. Uh, that's in there. A couple of scripture references you can go through, and you can check that out. And Leviticus 19 is a big one on there because that's where God kind of sets it up in the law of, of you know how you how you do that kind of thing. But uh, those things are there as well, uh, David. Well, and so what I wanted to talk about is the next part for seed saving that no one really taught me. I had to learn this myself. And man, I tell everybody who's serious about saving seeds, serious about their genetics on their plants, go get yourself some different colored flags. Um, I think my yellows here, I've got the, I've got the code in the, in the gardening planner. So the yellow is row ends. The blue are the seed savers. These are for plants that if you mess with that plant, you're probably going to die in my garden. Um, and then red is for non-planted rows and or non-planted areas. So like if I've got an area that I need to plant something, but I haven't had a chance to yet, I'll use the red. So these are a cheap, reusable way for you to mark things and to get a visual, um, you know, get a layout. You know, this is a lot easier to go and put, you know, you could use the red ones or you could use multiple colors. You could get every color in the rainbow. You could have ones for fruit trees, ones for your comfort and everything. So you lay everything out before you go making um, huge changes to your landscape. Now, the... The next thing that I'd like to after, now that we've talked about seed saving, because that's something that no one really talks about. People talk about, oh, yeah, you just go get heirloom seeds and then you save the seeds, but they don't tell you. But there's more to it than meets the eye. And I think that that is 
something that's very overlooked is it's not hard. It's just all these little tips and tricks that you learn along the way that make it easy. Okay. Now, what I like to do, and I'm sure this is what you were talking about. Well, I can tell you, I, I made mention this on Saturday too, David, um, to people. And that, yeah, yeah, he's got one. It's it's digital. You you do it just on a computer, but you're, you've got sort of the idea there uh, before the electronic. I told people about this on Saturday when we were talking about food and weight and and things. And that was this this film that I watched called Percy versus Goliath, and that was really good because some people were saying, "Can GMO products produce seeds?" Well, I think they huh? can. I think they can. Po- they cross pollinate over onto the good seeds, so it makes the good seeds look like they're the GMO seeds. And this is where this guy, you know, Percy was up in, um, I think, Canada, and he fought against the big, you know, agra, if you, I don't know what you want to call them, uh, you know, companies, and he won. He, he won his fight against them. He was consistent in staying up against that and, uh, and won. In fact, it staved off the, the push to, uh, GMO, to GMO wheat at the time. It pushed that back because they were really trying to force that in. And he said, you know, his thinking was, if you guys get in here and do this, no farmer's going to be able to do anything. And this guy was a huge collector of seeds all his life. His, I mean, several generations, you know, he had this this little uh, a barn out back that he kept all these different seeds in that they've been collecting for generations. It was really incredible. And he was very serious, like what you're saying about about doing that. And, uh, and, and that led to, you know, his fight against uh, Big Agra there. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because maybe there is someone out there who's got an engineer's mind or is anal retentive enough to do, you know, to be able to save the most amazing seeds or be able to create new open pollinated varieties. Because we're not, I'm totally for open pollinated varieties of taking two heirlooms and then making a hybrid out of two heirlooms, like an open pollinated hybrid. I'm all for that because that can happen in nature. Okay, that's that's I'm all for that. Not so much for trying to uh, mess with God's design. You know, every time man goes telling God how to improve his creation, it does not end well, does it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's I I was going to bring up this um, earlier. Just so to start, but then sometimes, you know, things roll and you just let it go. But we've we made mention of this before. And. You know, everybody says, oh, well, well, not everybody. That's an exaggeration. But there are plenty of people who obviously think, you know, their food just comes right out of the grocery store. They have no concept. And I've seen the videos. I've seen the interviews of people, especially in big cities like New York and stuff like that. No concept of how food came to be in their grocery store or on their plate. And yet what we're told in Scripture is this. When God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female he created them, he blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree and which is fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. I found that interesting that he uses that as the term for meat. And to every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And so he, right from the beginning, he gave them this. 
In fact, it's kind of interesting. Go into chapter two. The Bible says God planted a garden and put man in the midst of it. So for those who say, well, this is not very important. And nobody's saying that in, in the chat that I see. But for those who might bypass this or kind of poo poo it and say, oh, we'll be just fine. We're, you know, Bill Gates is making our pink slime and whatever else they're going to try to feed us and this that, and the other. You got to understand from the beginning, the creator planted a garden. He set it there. And can you imagine, David, a garden with no weeds, no thorns, no thistles? Everything grows perfectly. It's full of nutrition, all of this kind of stuff. And what's man's job? Basically, going around harvesting the stuff that's growing, right? Can you imagine that? And then what man brought on himself by his disobedience? It's, it's pretty incredible when you stop and you think about that. And I think that there's a lot of things in the word that you really can't fully comprehend until you've grown through yourself. I don't, I don't think that you're going to be able to make those connections. When it says, like, for a man is to eat out of his own or off of his own fig tree, out of his own orchard and stuff like that, most people haven't even had a fresh fig in their life off the tree. And they're good, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're real I'm good. Come back this year. It's, I've got a cold hardy one that dies back to the ground every year, you know, got to go out there. I'm waiting for it, man. It's, it's an incredible plant. It really, really is. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about was when it comes to, so we're maximizing our efficiency by, you know, cleaning our seed because it doesn't take very long to clean and sift all your own seed and then you can store it whatever way you'd like. Um, we could maybe do a video on on uh, different storage options for seeds and everything like that, um, both large and smaller varieties of uh, storage. Um, so what I like to do is I like to plan things out. By planning things out, we maximize our time and we're able to plan things out on paper and it's a lot easier to erase stuff on paper than it is to dig stuff up and or regrow something or you know all that so what i like to do is i like to take and this is just a partial sketch but i like to take and i will lay out my kitchen garden and then i will make copies of this and then i will go and i will make a page for each one of these beds okay and then each one of those beds, I will have another page where I've got um, basically everything that's planted in that bed. So I can just literally flip to the page. I can say, hey, you know what? I've got daikon radishes and I've got carrots planted out there in bed, which bed is that? B5. Okay. So by being able to have it all written down, it also gives me another advantage, and that is that if something happens to you and you are incapacitated, you're not able to deal with your own garden, you can hand over your garden planner and everything. I can hand this to somebody, and now they've got, they've got everything. They've got all my color coding for uh, you know everything. I've got my first frost date, my last frost date. I've got all my fertilizer dates. Um, I've got you know, all the seedlings, where I sourced all the seeds, um, how many I started, what the germination rate was like, all that right here. And by being able to have records, you're able to now keep track of things accurately 
And then now you're taking all the guesswork out of it by being able to, you know, remember your yields. Now I don't have to remember them. I just go and I look it up. And by being able to go and look it up, now we have a way to measure our success every year against the previous year and those and all the other previous years that we've kept track of. This is part of the number one problem that I see is that people don't want to put in the time to make a good garden plan. It's, I mean, it's crazy, but sad, true. I, I would say 95% of the gardeners I run into have no desire in keeping a garden planner or anything or any um, harvest yields or anything like that. Now, is but, it, well, let me ask you a question. Is that because they're so familiar with it, they just it's just second nature to them? Or are they people who don't have, are, are you seeing they don't have the production, maybe say that you do from doing that? Um, I, I think everyone can benefit. If you've got more than one plant, I think you can benefit by keeping track of things because what you can do is you can scale up more easily. So if you know, hey, you know what, I'm doing, um, I'm doing a sea salt um, foliar spray to give trace minerals to these plants four times a year, and that triples my yield. You can keep track of all that stuff. And then one, let's say one year you do it six times a year and you burn your plants or something like that. You can keep track of that. And it's a lot easier to remember things when you have reference material, because now it doesn't matter if you've got a photographic memory. You don't need to be remembering everything. Because it's like Einstein didn't go and he didn't remember the speed of light because it was something that he could easily go and reference. So there's no need to remember certain things when you can easily go and reference them. I, I would rather dedicate my brain power to more important things, you know, like designing the garden, like, the, you know, all those kind of things that, that really need to go into it. And the other reason I like having a garden planner is by being able to have that layout and everything, because I do a lot of, especially in my kitchen garden, I do a lot of interplanting of many different things. And sometimes I'll plant things that I know don't grow well together to see if certain varieties will grow well together. Um, I think that everyone can benefit by keeping even the most basic of... Um, of garden planners. Now I will tell you the number one thing you got to remember is you need to, goodness. Hey, I caught it. That's really good. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the one thing that you need to remember is that you're going to need to use pencil for this. So what I'll do is I've got a gardening jacket and I put a pencil and an eraser, you know, one of the separate, like a mechanical pencil and an eraser in there. And then what I like to do is I like to put them in these uh, clear, these uh, clear plastic sheet protectors and I slide those down in there. And then I've got on the front of this, I've shoved in a uh, little clipboard so I can put papers on here. I could do my little scribbles and stuff like that. Keep track of things and then transcribe them at a later date if need be. Um, so I've got that, that system works very well for me. This is like the smallest garden planner. I think I could get away with. Um, it really depends on what your what size your garden is and how much you're expanding and are you you know are you doing mushrooms are you inoculating you know wine caps and all those different things also you know you it it depends on what your needs are as to how big your garden plan is going to be 
but that 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 is something that we're working on we've still got um i think we're i i don't even think that we're i think we're about halfway done with the garden planner pages i think i think that's about where we're at um and we're, we're do is we're we're putting that together so it'll be a free um, it'll be a free thing on the, on our website um, for people to be able to get and to be able to use that because we think that it's that important you know yeah I could design one and sell it but at the end of the day it's going to help a thousand times the people if I give it away for free now David I want to ask I want to ask a question it's just hitting it's just hitting me now let me see if I can just I, I save this thing because I said I want to ask somebody. Um, and, and you're a good guy to ask, but I'm one, uh, I think, let me see, let me see if this was it. I don't know if it was or not. It may not be. It's trying to open it in something else. Okay. Um, in to get to it, it's, oh, here it is. This is it here. The, the image here is one that says, um, that, somehow the plants are tied to us as well in how they come up. So I'm going to throw this at you. I'm just kind of curious. Plants have super intelligence. If you put your saliva on the seed of an edible plant and then place it in the soil, something miraculous happens. As the seed absorbs your saliva, it begins to read your DNA and structure its own genetic blueprint to be a superfood based on any deficiencies or requirements that your DNA is signaling. This powerful ancient connection between humans and seeds is not acknowledged by mainstream academia due to the potential power it could have in agriculture if applied on a grand scale. Now, when I saw that, I go, wow, that's pretty fascinating. And you're shaking your head. Is that something you've had any kind of experience with? So um, I don't currently, you know, I don't have like a big lab or anything like that to test things. Um, I did speak to a this is probably four or five years ago. I spoke to someone who is a medical marijuana advocate who claimed the same thing and actually had testing of seeds that were germinated with uh, saliva that she had uh, done and ones that had not been done with saliva. The ones that had been done with saliva actually had, this is what she claimed, um, higher concentrations of things that she needed in her body at the time. Um, because she got blood work done at the time of planting. So I think that that, I, I don't know one way or the other, you know, that was the claim that was made to me. Um, I think it might be in my email somewhere that, you know, all, all the information on that. Um, sadly, I just don't have time to go, you know, chase down every, sure. I get it. But I, I do actually, here's something that I will say, I will say that plants, are amazing and plants are not alive in the biblical sense because the the word says that they wither they fade uh, they're not alive because they don't have the spirit of life in them um so i would say that plants are such an amazing thing because think about it they are a um they are a self-replicating organism that was put here by our father by our heavenly father and gave us such a wide diversity of them. Like, I don't know how many of you have looked into the number of varieties of different beans available. Just beans. Just look at heirloom and non-GMO varieties of beans. Get back with me and tell me how impressed you are. There's a lot of them. 
And then when you start including cowpeas and all these other things in there, then you start realizing, wow, man, there is a lot more to this than I thought. And then you can throw in all the varieties of tomatoes, all the varieties of peppers, and you can see that there is a huge amount of uh, variation in there. And I do, I do really think that plants, um, I think that you being exposed to, or you, I, I think that you as the grower being exposed to your plants, I, I believe that there is something amazing that happens there because I found that no food tastes as good as what you are going to grow yourself. Amen. The new content is going to be higher. The quality is going to be higher and there, and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg, you know, like uh, that Jadam book that I was recommending that book. If you can do a commercial, if they can in Hawaii where the cost of living is a hundred times what it is here on the mainland, if, if they can do it for a hundred dollars an acre, you can do it for a hundred dollars an acre and they're paying someone to go and mix all these things up and all that hourly. So I think that, you know, when we're talking about supply chain and all that, it's a lot easier to store, you know, cattle salt, unrefined cattle salt and things like that for your sup or um, for your amendments, for your inputs, your organic inputs. I think it's a lot easier to stockpile, you know, a few things than it is to stockpile. You know, if you're not making your own fertilizer, you're reliant on somebody else. And, you know, think of this, not everybody needs to go get that Jadam book, even though I would highly recommend it, but you could have one individual in your group who makes all the fertilizer for everybody because it's amazing how little time it takes to make a bunch of fertilizer. Um, And these are liquid fertilizers that you can have either add into the watering cycle. He's got water softening systems that are extremely low cost um, for farming. So your inputs go the furthest. Um, it's to me, I'm, I'm looking at it this way, you know, with the economy, how it is, if you can produce ultra high quality, naturally grown beyond organic food for pennies on the dollar, it gives you a way to be able to barter, to be able to uh, be charitable and help out your neighbors. It gives you a way to be able to, um, also, and think about this. What's more, hey, Tim, I got a question for you. What's more rewarding than eating a meal out of your own garden? Uh, sharing that meal with somebody else. <laughs> but there's, there's not too many things that are as rewarding as having a meal that came off of your own land. Mm. And I think that, you know, and that's something else that we get from Christianity is that we get, um, you know, this, uh, this gratefulness for being blessed, you know, being blessed in so many ways, both seen and unseen, known and unknown. And I think that that's something that seeing, you know, and, and a lot of things like, you know, when Jesus talks about having the faith of a mustard seed, when you see a little tiny mustard seed, and then it grows these huge two and a half foot long leaves, that's very, it's, it's an analogy that you really can't get until you've done it. You know, and I, I think that everyone could benefit from some amount of gardening, even if you 
were only to grow a couple of tomato plants, a couple of onion plants, and a couple of, you know, um, jalapeno plants, and just make your own salsa. Well, you know, I think, David, one of the things is, is that when you do that, one, it's like anything else. Uh, If somebody gives you a car, you might have an appreciation for it. You might even you might even be a person that takes good care of it. But it's not the same thing as when you go get it yourself. You've had to work to get that and and to produce it. Same thing happens with the food. And I I think there's something to it. When we used to grow little stuff in the backyard and stuff and around the house uh, and we still do some things. But um, doing that, you're really dependent upon God for the rain and the sunshine that's going to make that do you're you're also the nutrients in the soil yeah you do your part but you're really you're really dependent upon God uh causing that to increase in fact Paul would use that as a spiritual context to say some you know when the people are arguing well I'm I'm following Paul I'm he says some you know plant some water but it's the Lord who gives the increase and I think it is it ties right back to what you're saying about us having thankful hearts for what God has given us. Yeah, we went out there and, and he used us as means in the process. I'm not saying that. But ultimately, we're dependent upon God uh, to to provide that harvest that we need to sustain ourselves. We really are. And I think that's a great point that you bring out. Yeah, and, and I think that that's something that you really can't appreciate, you know, food until you've at least grown some. If you saw the amount of time, energy, and effort that it takes to get one tomato from seed to harvest, one, you saw how long it takes, you'd have a whole new appreciation for the grocery store. You saw how long it takes to grow a row of carrots and everything else that comes along with that, you would, um, you would probably have a new appreciation. And there is something I'd like to go back to because I, I don't know if I fully answered the question earlier about straw, but um, one of the best methods is if you're making your own, um, if you're making your own mulch and, you know, wood chips are hard to come by. Um, one option is to use a Ruth Stout method of gardening and use a scythe and you can go and um, you can harvest tall grass without the seed hedge. You don't want it to go to seed yet. You take that and you dry it. You know, you take your uh, your hay fork and you go and you take the windrows and you push them into piles once they're dry. And then you can stack that up and you can store that so the next season you've got a deep cover mulch to be able to use. Uh, that is another option for a lot of people. Okay. All right. Now, let me, so, let me ask you this. Now, on tomorrow's kind of... Tee people up for tomorrow. Are we going to continue a little bit of this in the gardening? You're going to talk about some varieties or some things like that. We're going to be into tomorrow. Just want to kind of tee yeah, that up I, for them. Well, so tomorrow, what I was going to do, if everyone was okay with this, is I wanted to talk about some of my favorite varieties, why they're my favorite, um, and then I also wanted to talk about medicinal plants that people don't you don't hear them talk about these. Plants yeah, that's good. Often enough. And also talk about plants that have multiple uses within the garden. You know, like garlic and stuff can be used to create scent confusers so you don't have predators like deer and stuff coming into your garden. Yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. I was going to I was going to say, and we talk about uh, natural pesticides that we can use, and a lot of those I know you can use uh, perennials and stuff like that, different kinds of flowers that you can put out with them. Um, with with your garden to keep away certain bugs and and uh, certain animals from there too, and I think that's a big thing because people do want to be organic and they're thinking, well, 
you know, what am I going to do? I got these these Japanese beetles that come in or I got the these other, you know, kind of critters that come in and they eat up all the plants. What am I supposed to do? Those are some good good things uh, to, to help out as well. So I'm, I'm glad that we're going to be doing some of that as well. Oh, somebody mentioned doing the urine to re- repel the deer as well uh, to use. Yeah, that, you, so. you can do urine, a perimeter of urine. Um, I just the reason I don't do that. And the reason I tell a lot of people not to do it is I had someone who uh, was on some really heavy duty antibiotics. They peed in a jug and they did that and it killed everything that touched that urine. Um, So I don't know. That's why I tell people don't do it. If, uh, if you're on any kind of medications, Um, because you don't know the effects of that on the garden or on the compost, you can use it as an activator for compost. Okay. All right. That's definitely the the reason if if there was one book, well, I can't just recommend one book, but if you were looking for a book for all of your organic inputs and you want a really quick way to get a farm up and running low cost, this is the book for you. If you're okay. looking like all are grown, this is all stuff grown using Jadam method. Okay. His pepper plants are incredible. His, his pepper plants are just like you look at them and you wonder to yourself, how does this man have pepper plants that look so much better than mine? And he does go into, uh, he will go into some things um, as far as, see, I've got it somewhere. Well, now, where, where is this guy that you're talking about? Where is he growing his plants? Oh, uh, Korea. Korea, okay. He's, uh, um, his father was the inventor, if I remember correctly, his father was the inventor of Korean natural farming. Um, and then Jadam is a, uh, look at those, look at those, um, cucumber plants. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's gorgeous. So, yeah. And in this, what I like about him is it's, Look at the look at the strawberries. I I grew up near an organic strawberry field. Okay, they did not have strawberries that looked that beautiful. Yeah, that's nice. Okay, so you know it's one of those things. Everyone that I've talked to that has used the Jadam books that I have recommended, every single one of them has come back and thanked me at some point. So. The fact that everyone that I've recommended the book to, that that it's helped them, that I think speaks highly to itself. Because when you when you think about the amount of books that I have, okay, here's the here's the pepper plants. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> that's just incredible. And, yeah, and this is. This is uh, here's his homemade water softening and fertilizer system. Okay, low cost. He's doing it where they would say hundreds of thousands of dollars for a few thousand dollars. He did it. Um, he's making um, like here's the here's the step by step process of making taking a, making a microbial solution to actually feed soil microbes to loosen up the soil, um, and he's basically doing it with. Uh, 2.2 pounds of boiled potatoes for 132 gallons of water. <laughs> it's not very much, but you'd be amazed what it can do. Um, 
he's just got so many, and, and it's such a pleasure having a well-written book that you can that you can reference on all this stuff. You know, he's got a nitrogen jadam uh, fertilizer. Here's a fish meal one. Here's see the book is completely filled, and then here's the analysis. He's had chemical analysis done of all these things. You know, it's that's why I, I try to recommend only the best books. And if if someone was looking for a low cost way to do a lot, that would be the way I would I would get involved. Okay, right. It's a great great system that if you can if you can take this and apply this to permaculture principles, you're gold. Okay. All right. David, um, do we got anything else we're going to cover today or do you want to save some stuff and we're going to transition over into tomorrow? I think we're going to save some stuff and transition into tomorrow. Okay. All right. Uh, is there a final word you want to give? And be sure to tell people about your website as well. Um, you can support us in our ministry at um, themiraclesalve.com. Um, you can use the code Sons of Liberty to... Uh, get a discount on our tree resins and everything over there. You can support what we're doing by, by going there. All right. Okay. And uh, by the way, uh, David, uh, some people had said, you know, there's a lot of stuff that was out that was out of stock. You said a lot of things you get that are in season are not in season now. That's why they're out of stock. So if you go over there and you see some stuff that's like that, that's what it is. They'll be in later. But uh, especially, you know, you mentioned that super cocoa resin, um, the humic and fulvic acid. People can find that in your pro proprietary herbal formulas, um, which which I use, too. And. Um, so if you guys are looking for those kind of products, you can you can use them. Also, I just want to make mention, uh, David has set up OperationPreparedness.com. Now, he's in the midst of putting together some videos and things like that. So if you're interested in checking that out, he, we, we just went ahead. Uh, I, he's going to use this, the shows that we did earlier, the first four shows, and the site's still being built. But he's got a lot of stuff he's going to uh, put together there, OperationPreparedness.com. And there'll be some, uh, some little videos, from my understanding, David, that you're going to do for just a variety of things where you're just going to give people sort of the um, practical thing about how to build this or how to structure these things or just little stuff that people might want to say, hey, I want to see how that's done. You're going to be doing some of that stuff in the future, right? Yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of do-it-yourself projects for those who are into that. Um, I'm really into that. I think that a lot of people, um, you know, money's tight these days and uh, a penny saved is a penny earned. And I think that there's a lot of ingenuity that needs to be coming out. You know, Americans, we used to overcome anything. Um, and I think that resilience needs to come back. That, that resilience of, of his people needs to come back. That's what, made us, that's what made us a, a great nation with our, was our faith and our resilience yep. to, to Yeah, it had nothing to do with economy, did it? It had everything to do with morality. And uh, uh -huh. our fear, our fear of God, first and foremost, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, it's the beginning of knowledge. Um, and all of that is, is cultivated in the things that we're talking about now. All right, David, hang on and I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, be sure to catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And David will be back with us, Lord willing, in the morning. And we're going to continue this discussion on prepping, uh, gardening, and some, some ideas there that hopefully will be helpful to you in the days ahead. And uh, we're hopeful that the Lord will bless that as well. Uh, talk to you then. See you.